Good morning, everyone. It is really cool to see you guys here today. I am so excited about where we're, where we're going today and also in the, in the season. I just love this time of the year uh, in the life of a church. Uh, before we get started, though, I just want to share with you a couple of things uh, real quick. Um, on that Catherine Cobb dinner uh, that we're doing in Adrian, we still need a ton of volunteers. So if you guys, um, I know some of you guys are thinking about it. The thing you need to do is communicate that because we've got some people that are planning and sometimes when you're planning an event like this, we really need to know some of that stuff ahead of time. So if you would please communicate that you're willing to be a part of that. Um, if you need to bend Jackie's ear, she's the one that's coordinated, coordinating it. Uh, she will be here um, after this service uh, for her small group, so we could always pull her to the side if you had some questions. So please make sure you mark that. Also, uh, E3 groups. Uh, E3 groups are... Um, those, the, the groups that we run that, tell, that communicates who we are as a church, communicates um, our strategy, our vision, our mission, all of that good stuff, and then gives you an opportunity to say, you know what, I'd like to partner with you guys. I'd like to be a part of that. I would like to be a part of a place that, where I can um, c- you know, contribute my gifts and my talents uh, for, the, for the betterment of, the, of God's kingdom. And so it gives you an opportunity to do that. So please consider that. They will be running... Uh, Sunday in between services, three Sundays, December 4th, 11th, and 18th. Is that right? Okay, cool. Um, in addition, let me say this too, guys. I know that some of your, some groups formed um, uh, that you weren't plugged into a life group, and some of those formed and are currently meeting uh, in between services right now. As this, as this um, campaign ends... I would just, I just really want to encourage you guys to stay together as a group, okay? If you're meeting in between services and, and, and you just, again, just initially got together for that, please continue through. It'll be an awesome thing for you if you haven't, uh, maybe for your group to go through the E3 groups. Um, but after the first of the year, we will begin to, and we'll have a meeting here before long, but we'll put something in your hands to lead your group uh, through. So please, if you're in groups during that time, don't, don't take off. Just stay in the flow, and let's continue uh, meeting together and discussing things as we all are on this journey growing closer uh, to Jesus Christ. As we continue on in our series, I'm going to actually conclude this series in Two weeks. It's that big of a campaign. So uh, I'm going to conclude. Uh, we're going to bring to a close this campaign, this, uh, the Me I Want to Be series today and next week. Uh, but this week I'm going to share with you a couple of thoughts that really kind of sum up a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. I want to share with you a story, though, that I came across. I shared this with the elders and staff because when I read this, it just really grabbed my heart. And I think it will yours, too, as you, uh, and, it, and it goes exactly where we're going uh, today in our talk. The story goes like this, before the turn, and it's a true story, before the turn of the 20th century, uh, an insane asylum in the suburbs of Boston housed severely retarded and disturbed individuals. One of the patients was a girl who was simply called Little Annie. She was totally unresponsive to others in the asylum, and the staff had tried everything to help her, yet they had no success with her. Finally, she was confined, now get this, finally she was confined to a cell in the basement of this asylum. Man, talking about just giving up all hope. A Christian woman, nevertheless, worked at this asylum, and she believed that every one of God's creatures needed love, concern, and care. So she decided to spend her lunch hours in front of little Annie's cell, reading to her and praying that God would free her from her prison of silence. And day after day, this Christian woman came to little Annie's door, and she read to her and prayed for her, but the little girl never, ever responded. 
Months went by. The woman tried to talk to little Annie, but it was like talking to an empty cell. She brought little tokens of food for the girl, but they were never received. Then one day, a brownie was missing from the plate that the caring woman retrieved from, Annie, from little Annie's cell. Encouraged, she continued to read to her and pray for her. Eventually, the little girl began to answer. The woman through the bar. The, eventually, she began to answer the woman through the bars of the cell. Soon, the woman convinced the doctors that little Annie needed a second chance at treatment. They brought her up from the basement and continued to work with her. Within two years, little Annie was told she could leave the asylum and enjoy a normal life. She chose not to leave, though. She was so grateful for the love and the attention that she was given by this dedicated Christian woman that she decided to stay and love others as she had been loved. So little Annie stayed at this institution to work with other patients who were suffering as she had suffered. Nearly half a century later, the Queen of England uh, held a special ceremony to honor one of the most inspiring women in the United States, Helen Keller. When asked to what she would attribute her success at overcoming the dual handicap of blindness and deafness, Helen Keller replied, if it hadn't been for Ann Sullivan, I wouldn't be here today. You see, Annie Sullivan was the one who was tenaciously loved and believed in, but believed, or Ann Sullivan, who tenaciously loved and believed in an incorrigible blind and deaf girl named Helen Keller, she was little Annie. And because one selfless Christian woman in, in the dungeon of an insane asylum believed that a hopeless little girl needed God's love, the world received the marvelous gift of Helen Keller. Isn't that an awesome story? You see, a lot of times we don't hear the story behind the story, do we? We hear about how Ann Sullivan worked with, Ann, with uh, Helen Keller, but who worked with Ann Sullivan? Who worked with little Annie? And what would have happened if someone, uh, some Christian woman, what would have happened if some Christian woman would have said, you know what, I'm not going to live out of my God-created identity. I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. I'm going to live my life in my brokenness. What would have happened? Obviously, you know, chances are we wouldn't have Helen Keller today. We wouldn't have, uh, you know, a story that, that had tremendous impact, a person that's had tremendous impact on the lives of other individuals. So the question for us today is, as we talk about this today, is what will it take for us to become the Christian that we are, that become the Christian's, Living out the God-created identities like that. Living out of our God-created created identities like that. What will it take for you, sitting in here this morning, to say, you know what, I'm done living out of, my, of the, these false versions that I've created. I'm, I'm done living out of that counterfeit state, and I'm going to begin to live out of my true God-created identity. What will that take? There are some of you in here this morning that I'm sure that have been on this spiritual journey where sometime in your past, God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, has come to you and connected with your spirit, and you responded, and you said, you know what, God, I want to live out of my God-created identity. And some of you are on a spiritual journey where you are living out of your God-created identity, and you are experiencing abundant life. You're experiencing the life that Jesus talked about when He was here on earth, where He said, I want you to have life, and I want you to have life to the fullest. Some of you are experiencing that today because you said, I want to live out of my God-created identity. 
And consequently, you allow the, the good shepherd, as Psalm 23 says, to take you through dark moments in your life, to take you on your spiritual journey, to take you through dark times through the valley of the shadow of death to get you to a better place. And some of you said, I'm willing to do that. Others sitting in here this morning, the Spirit of God has been pressing upon you because He's been saying, you, I don't want you to live in this brokenness any longer. And some of you in here this morning have said, you know, have said in the past, you know what, it is too painful for me to engage in that. I'm willing to just continue on in the state I'm in. And consequently, some of you have been sit- that are possibly sitting here this morning where the Spirit of God has pressed upon you years and years ago. You've become desensitized now. You no longer really sense the presence uh, you know, in your life because... Because, of, the, because of, of, of ignoring him or continuing to push him away, you may have become desensitized, and consequently what you're doing is you're living in your brokenness, and sadder yet, you don't know that you are. And that's a very sad state to be in. Guys, I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, every single one of us in here this morning, if you're not already, can be freed from this, and we can be living, living in our God-created identity that God so desperately wants to give to us. The question is, why don't we do that? For those of, for, for those of us in here this morning that are struggling with that, why is it that, that, we, that, that we struggle with that or, or that we, we just really resist God taking us through that? And how does that, what does that look like? Well, again, I'm just going to recap some, some of the things that we've learned throughout this series. The first thing that we have to do is identify that you are broken. If we're ever going to live out of our God-created identity... At some point, we have to realize that we are broken and that we're not living out of it now. Now, again, I'm talking to those of you that are still on this journey, still on the journey where you're struggling with that. And so, it, you know, as we look at that, we read in Romans three twenty three where Paul says, "For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God." In fact, when we kicked off this series, if you remember, I took us clear back to the garden. That's where it all started, right? It's where it all started when God created the world, where God created everything. He created this paradise. He put mankind in it, and he gave mankind a choice. And we read that mankind chose to go against God. And consequently, because he did that, you and I get the miraculous gift, the awesome gift of brokenness. Everybody after Adam and Eve has been, have, have, as this verse says, we all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. That's a fact. That's a fact. And so coming into this world, this great gift that we get as soon as we enter into this world is a broken state. We're broken. And we need to be made whole again. And so here we are, asking ourselves the question again, what will it take to allow God to help us to identify that brokenness? Where we stop playing the game, where we stop pretending, where we say, you know what, I am broken. I do have something deep down inside that I'm hiding behind. I do have something that I'm really struggling with. I do deal with certain things, but I don't want anybody else to know it, so I'm going to create these false versions. What's it going to take for us to stop living out of that brokenness, identify our brokenness, quit hiding behind it, and begin to live in our God-created identity? Well, as we talked before, and again, we're just recapping a lot of things, we have to understand who we are in Christ. We begin to, um, you know, if we're going to live, if we're going to live and, and stop living out of this creative false version of ourselves, we have to understand who we are in, in Jesus Christ. And, and here's, here's, here's one of the truths that we need to understand is this. Salvation isn't just for future things to receive, okay? 
I've grown up in the church my whole life, and if there's one thing that I've heard and been, been around and influenced by is that there's a lot of people that believe as soon as they receive the love and grace of Jesus Christ that it's time just to kick back and wait for Jesus to return or to die. Right? Because we've received salvation. Guys, there is so much more to it than just believing that we just have salvation right then and there. It's receiving it now. Yes, it is. It's receiving it now. But it's also beginning to live out this new identity in Jesus Christ. When we, that's what salvation means. That means that we are in the process of being saved. That means that we are in the process of being redeemed. That means that when we come with, when we come to Jesus Christ and we receive His salvation, that He begins this process in us that's going to continue on as we become more spiritually mature in Him, where He takes our brokenness and makes us whole again, where He makes us more into His image. And what we, we, what we receive isn't the point but it's who you are. Neil Anderson makes, makes a couple statements that I want to share with you. The first one, he says this, it is not what you do as a Christian that determines who you are, but, it, it, but it, it's who you are that determines what you do. Let me read it one more time. It is not what you do as a Christian that determines who you are, but it's who you are that determines what you do. And so often we get that backwards. In fact, he goes on to make this statement, and he says this, Next to a knowledge of God, a knowledge of who you are is by far the most important thing that you can ever possess. It's one of the most important things that you can ever possess. Because here's what happens, guys. When we become children of God, when we, becomes, when we become part of His family, the enemy comes in, and the thing that he wants to do, his whole game plan is this, to distort the character of God in our minds and to distort the truth. If the enemy can convince you that living out of your brokenness is the right way to go, you become deceived and you begin to live a life that is nowhere near the life that God promises you. And there's some of us sitting in here this morning, we've been duped, we bought into it, and we're continuing to be deceived on living our lives the way we think we should, the, the, way, the, the way that it's normal, and all along we're living out of our brokenness and we're not experiencing the fullness of Jesus Christ. Because we've been duped. Furthermore, we don't spend a lot of time understanding the truth. If you don't know the truth, you're never going to be free. So consequently, you don't have to go off and commit adultery or homosexuality or murder or lying. or che- what, I mean, you name all the, all the things. Name them all. You may not do any of that. You may be to the point to where all the enemy has to do to you is just get you busy and keep you out of the Word of God. Because if you never understand the truth, if you never understand what it means and, and, and understand how to be free and how to, have, how to be made whole, how to, be, how to experience God's healing within your life, you are going to be living your life in a state that is just dysfunctional in a sense. And, and, and the enemy's got you. You're just busy. You don't know the truth. What is the truth? Who are we in Jesus Christ? Let me share with you the truth. When we become children of God, these are things that the Word of God tells us of who we are. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are a child of God. By the way, if you struggle with with a low self-esteem, 
understand the truth. If you struggle with low self-worth or being accepted and all these other, all this other things that the enemy throws at us out of our brokenness, or you think, whatever it may be, understand the truth. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a child of God. You are a part of the true vine who is a channel of God's love. You are Christ's friend. You are chosen and appointed to bear His fruit. You are a slave of righteousness. You are enslaved to God. You are a son of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are His dwelling place. You are one spirit with God. You are a member of Christ's body. You are a new creation. You are a saint. You are His workmanship. You are a prisoner of Christ. You are a citizen of heaven. You are hidden with Christ in God. You are chosen, a holy and dearly loved. You are one of God's living stones. You are a member of a chosen race, part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You are an alien in a strange world in which you temporarily live. Does that describe you? Because I want to tell you something, a lot of times that doesn't describe me. Because sometimes Gail's living in his brokenness because it's easier for me to kind of slide back into my brokenness. It's easier for me to go and cope when I get hit with something. Instead of going and understanding the truth, it's easier for Gail to go over here and self-medicate and to cope the way I think I need to cope. And all along, what I'm doing is I'm steering away from the truth that says, I am a part of God's family. I am a child of God. I am part of the King's family. I want to tell you something. When we focus on the truth, we begin to understand that there's so much more to life. This life that we experience uh, you know, so, so often. So here's the question again. What will it take for us to trust into God's love? For us, for Him to take us through this process of, of becoming whole again. A few weeks ago, CJ uh, shared with us that part of that process is we begin to see through a different set of lens. We begin to see things through. The, when you understand the truth, you literally begin to see things through a different set of lens. Some of us had faulty lens. We've been given a faulty lens when we came into this world. Some of us continue to look through a faulty lens, saying that whatever it may be, whatever your brokenness is, whatever it is that you may struggle with, some of us continue to carry that lens throughout our whole life. We may have been labeled. We may have been uh, whatever it is. We're to see, but we continue to look through that faulty lens. When we become a child of God and we begin to understand that we are, we are part of the king's family, we are part of God's family, we are part of his a chosen people, we begin to see things through and, and understand that. We begin to see things through a different lens. In fact, Paul says this in Romans 12 too. He says, Crucify daily the old sin, train flesh, and walk in accordance with who you are in Jesus Christ and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. To receive the healing that He so desperately wants to give us, we have to literally have our minds renewed. Because a lot of times, what, again, what we do is we are deceived, we buy into the counterfeit things, we think that, I mean, we, we begin to, we're defeated. And Paul says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the counterfeit uh, deception that Satan wants to, to, to give you and, and influence you by, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. And it's then and only then are we able to start becoming the best version that God has created for us. And then the next one is this. That's when we begin to experience the Spirit flow through us. Guys, I know... um, Francis Chan, if you've read his book, The Forgotten God, he talks about the same thing. When we start living out of our true identities in Jesus Christ, when we say, you know what, I'm done with living out of these false versions, these false versions that I created myself, or created, you know, out of my hurt or out of my dysfunction or whatever it is, I'm done with that. When we begin to live in a state where where we start living out of our God-centered identity, that's when life takes on new shape. That's when we are able to do things that are absolutely extraordinary. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is living and flowing in and through us. This week I was spending time in John 14. In John 14, it's the story of where Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to be leaving. And they're very distraught, they're very concerned and upset. And in that story, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, Look, you know where I'm going, you know all about the Father, you know all of this stuff I've shared, I haven't hidden anything from you, I've shared it all with you. And then he goes on to make this statement. He says this, he says, The things that you saw me do, those are the things that you're going to be able to do. And in fact, you're going to be able to do some things much greater than I've ever been able to do when I send the Spirit to you. Later on, I was reading, in, the same day I was reading in 1 John, and as I was reading in 1 John, we re, I was reading uh, his words and him saying, this person we actually saw, we walked with him. We saw him, we touched him. We walked with him, we experienced him, we embraced him. This person is the person that I want to share with you because when I share him with you and you begin to have fellowship with him, it's going to make my joy complete. And as I read those passages of scripture, I started thinking about that. And I started thinking, I pull back to look at my life and say, what am I doing in my life that, is, that it's what Jesus did? John 14, 4. You're going to do the same things that I've done. Okay, Gail, what have you been doing that's the same things that Jesus has been doing? And furthermore, when he says you're going to do things much greater, as I look at my life, what are the things that I'm doing where I can look at him and say, wow, I can't believe I'm doing those things because the power of his spirit is living inside of me and he's enabling me to do extraordinary things that I would never imagine I could do. That's what Francis Chan talks about in Forgotten God. The same thing Jesus is sharing in John 14. As you look at your life, can you answer that question? And furthermore, do you find joy in that? Is that what makes you you? Because when you start living out of your God-centered identity, the Spirit begins to flow through you, in and through you, and you're doing things that you could never imagine. You're doing things that you would never think about because the Spirit is leading you to do those things. And your life begins to take on new shape and form. You become so energized because you're living out of your giftedness. You become so energized and you begin to experience life to the fullest. When Jesus says, I have come to give life and life to the fullest. And he goes on to say he's come to give abundant life when he talks about those things. That's exactly the life that you start experiencing when when you begin to live out your God-created identity. When you finally say, I am done living out of my brokenness. I am done living out of this state that brings nothing but dissatisfaction and bondage and a counterfeit stale spirituality when you say that I'm done with that and you allow the spirit to have control of your life and you begin to live out this God created identity it is absolutely amazing what takes place 
You start making incredible differences within your family because you are absolutely different. You're, the Spirit is flowing in and through you. Your marriage relationship becomes vastly different. Your relationship with your kids become vastly different because you are vastly different. You're affecting everybody around you. By the way, we affect everybody around us one way or the other. Some of it's toxic. In other ways, we're sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people. And we can't help it because that is who we are. We make a credible difference within our church. We make incredible differences in our workplaces. We begin to look at work different. We don't look at work as a place where we go just to get paid. and It's just a job. That's where I collect my paycheck to do my other things. We begin to look at life with integrity where everything's unified, where we believe that God has placed us in the different positions for different reasons. And we begin to interact differently and the Spirit flows in and through us. And we begin to have this incredible impact on the people around us that may be toxic. We have this incredible impact around us with those people at work, in our schools, in our communities, in our states, in our nation, in our world. That's how we make a difference, is when we become the people that God has created us to be. But it starts with you saying, I'm going to live this out, or I'm not going to live it out. I think there are people sitting in this, I know that there are people sitting in here this morning where the Spirit of God is pressing upon you, and has been pressing upon you, to say, We need to make a change. You're not happy. And you're not going to be happy. You're looking for your happiness in places that you're not going to find it. You're not experiencing joy. And the Spirit of God saying, let's deal with it today. Let's begin to bring healing within your life. Let's begin to address the brokenness. Let's begin to become the person that... God has created you to be. What will it take? What will it take? And maybe today's the day you say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Guys, if you're sitting here this morning and that's something that you want to do and it's time for you to, you know, to make that decision, I would ask, you don't have to, but if you want to come forward and pray, we... Jeff, myself, there's some other elders sitting in here this morning. If you come, we would love to pray for you and we would love to celebrate with you because we're, that's where we're going. And guys, let me share this with you. I wish I was exempt from all this stuff I talked to you about. Because I want to tell you, this is where God is nailing me. These are the things that God are nail, is nailing me on. And I want to tell you something. As your leader... That's where we're going as a church. If God's taking me there, that's where we're, we don't have a choice. That's where we're going. I think that God's dealing with a lot of us here at Element. And I was telling this, I was telling um, the staff and the elders this past week, I said, you know what? For me, we're going through this other study together that has just been absolutely uncovering and unlayering things. And in, in, in that particular study, we, we're, we're really dwelling on obedience and disobedience. And I was sharing with the staff, I think this past staffing, I said, you know what? For me, when it comes to obedience, if God came to me and said, I want you to take your family move to Africa, I could do that hands down. That would not bother me whatsoever. Absolutely. I could go in a heartbeat. 
But when it comes to obedience, where God's drilling down really deep inside of me on some stuff saying, I want this stuff. You're living out of your brokenness, and I want, your bro- I want to give you healing to your brokenness. Now we're talking about something different. We're talking about something harder. And that's where I ask for your prayers. But I find that as I share that story with staff and elders and some other individuals, that I'm hearing the same thing from the staff and the elders and individuals. I'm starting to see some stuff where God is starting to come into lives and create some major discontent because he's wanting to purify. And I remember talking to CJ this week and I was sharing with him, I, I was sharing with him stuff and I'm like, man, you know, this is, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm just, we're just talking. He said, well, you know why that's happening, don't you? And I said, what do you, you know, what do you mean? He said, well, you remember the first prayer that we did during One Voice Prayer? And I shared that with you guys. If you guys are part of the One Voice Prayer times where we pray Sunday evenings in Adrian and Wednesday nights here, one of the things that we did when we started this campaign, we took everybody in our database and we split, split, took all the names, we divided them all up, and we asked people to pray specific things for the people here at Element, specifically for you. And I'm not talking about where we pray for the people of Element. I'm talking about where we say names. We say Lynette. We say Brian Ford. We say the names specifically. So let me tell you something. Let me just give you a heads up. If you're feeling some discontent with God wanting to bring purity within your life, you can blame our prayer time because it's working. God loves this church. This is his church. And God's wanting to purify. And he is so desperately wanting us to become the people that he's created, to live out this life that he wants us to live out. And you've heard us say before, God loves us so much that he doesn't want, he loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us in that old state, but he loves us enough to create, to turn up the heat, to create the pressure to say, come on, I've got so much more for you. And if you would just trust me, if you would just love me, if you would just be in this intimate relationship with me, you're going to experience a life that you have, that you could never imagine. And like I said, there are some of you in here this morning that have been through this stuff in your spiritual journey. There are others sitting in here this morning where God is pressing hard. And so the question is, well, how are you going to respond? How will you respond? Are you going to become the best version that God's created for you? Living out of your God-created identity? Or are you going to say, you know what? That's too painful. I don't want to be a part of that my prayer that you allow the spirit to just have complete control of your life that's you know that state of surrenderness and that state of humbleness because god's got some awesome things that he wants to do in and through you and in and through our church and i want to be a part of that and i pray that you'll want to be a part of that too we're going to close with a song just again we've already sang it but we're going to close with a song just celebrating who god is and just really just celebrating him if you want to come and pray and you we'd love to pray with you if you want to wait till after the service please uh please do that too but um maybe this is the day that we that we make that decision to become the person that god has created us to be father we just thank you for your love we thank you for the truth and we thank you god that you 
do not want us to, to continue on in that brokenness, but that you so desperately want to give us this, this sense of healing so that we can live out in our God-created identities. God, I pray that we would just uh, receive your spirit, that we would live in such a humble surrender to you, God, that we would allow you to come in and to make us into the, into the people that you want us to be. I pray this week that we would go into our world, we would make a difference letting the spirit of you flow in and through us and out to others, making an incredible and tremendous impact on all of our relationships around us. And it's in your name that we pray and we ask these things. Amen. Guys, it was great worshiping with you. We'll see you back here next week. Have a great week.